Uh, he's god awful. God awful. That's what it was. I mean, it's interesting that you use the word God because once he preserved himself, you know, as a virgin for many years and recently, you know, he's broken that as he got married. And now that he's, you know, having sex, I, his play isn't <laughs> clearly in decline. Do you think there's anything to this? theory that virginity equates to football skill. So Wentz has been married for about two years now. And I mean, he wasn't great last season. And this season so far, he's been absolutely terrible. I mean, this dude shouldn't even be a starter right now in the NFL. So maybe virginity does equal football skill. I mean, Tyler Lockett is balling and he's still a virgin. Mm -hmm. He admitted it on the Adam Schefter podcast that he hasn't had sexual intercourse and you know he's balling out just had a three touchdown game and maybe having sex just hurts us men in general it, it takes away like that that primal like anxiety inside of you you know and i think that uh carson wentz it, it's just a clear decline since he started smashing <laughs> ass the decline in his talent is very obvious meanwhile you look at tyler lockett and he's just getting better and better the longer he clings onto that virginity, I mean, you know, at this rate, he might be Jerry Rice two years from now. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 93 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be previewing week four from a DFS perspective, looking to bounce back after last week's pain. And we're going to talk about slate specifics. We're going to go through the chalk or perhaps lack thereof this week, talk about cash game lineup construction, tournament strategy, leverage stacks, long shots, and of course, we will close out the show with our best bets. But before we get into any of that, Joey, do you want to tell the people how they can support the podcast? As always, you could support the DFS Dose by subscribing or following us on any podcast platform, whichever one you use. The DFS Dose is on there. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, we are on there. So go ahead and subscribe or follow us depending on what platform you use. And then you could follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose and then you could check out our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. Uh, new videos and clips uploaded weekly. I just uploaded uh, my Millie Maker video that went live yesterday. And then Ben's cash pool video goes live tomorrow. So make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel so you don't miss an upload over there. And that is the best way to support the DFS Dose. Yes. Now let's get into it. This is going to be a really interesting slate. I mean, right off the bat, we've already got a game that's been postponed. Uh, we don't know as of the time of recording whether the Titans-Steelers game is going to be played on Monday or Tuesday. I think they said that they were leaning Monday or somebody said that, that that's what they had heard from CBS. But either way, we've gone from a 13-game main slate to a 12-game main slate with nine early games and three afternoon games. Now, Joey, I noticed this week uh, somebody noted that NFL scoring is up more than five points per game across the league this year compared to last year's averages. And as a result, what we've got is a slate with some of the most outrageous totals that I've ever, you know, I've ever seen. There are more games on this slate with totals above 50 than below 50, seven games with totals above 50, and only two games with totals below 47. 
There are seven teams with totals above 29, you know, in order from highest to lowest. We've got Seattle, LA, Baltimore, Dallas, Kansas City, New Orleans, and Houston, all with totals of 29 or above. So give me some initial reactions to what we're seeing on, uh, you know, this slate from a Vegas perspective. Yeah. So obviously Vegas is projecting a lot of high scoring games, like you mentioned. And I think that's just a factor of having no preseason with no preseason and no preparation, basically before the season, uh, offenses, I feel like have a leg up on opposing defenses. So I think that's why we're seeing a lot of high scoring games so far to start the year. And I mean, it's the teams with the best offense are always going to have the highest team total. Seattle is on fire right now. Russell Wilson is, you know, the leading MVP candidate. Then we have Dallas, Baltimore, LA Rams, surprisingly are number two, but they are facing the terrible New York Giants. From a DFS perspective, a lot of potential ways you can go when making, you know, your cash lineup and tournament lineups, which makes for, you know, one of my favorite weeks so far in the season uh, from a tournament perspective when you know that a certain stack isn't going to be the clear-cut chalk like we've seen in the last three weeks. And we can just transition directly into talking chalk, and I think that that is really the overall theme of this week is that I think because of the amount of good games, you know, games with really high scoring potential, I think we're going to see the ownership be spread out across tournaments. And even in cash games, I think there are a, you know, variety of different ways we can go. But there are a few plays that stand out that I think will garner quite a bit of ownership. And one of them is Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Before the show, we were talking, you called him potentially the best beer play on the slate. You want to talk about what makes Zeke such a strong play this week? Yeah, I mean, Zeke is 7,800 for this uh, week. And Zeke is a 9K plus player minimum. If I was doing the pricing, 9,500 or 10,000. You know what you're getting when you roster Zeke. You're getting 20 plus touches. You're getting receiving upside, 12 targets last week, six catches in the last two games. So you're getting a game flow independent running back on one of the best offenses in the NFL that is not going to come off the field and is going to be used as their workhorse. I mean, that is just... DFS gold and at 7,800. I mean, I'm plugging him into all of my lineups. And then an interesting fun fact that I saw on Twitter, I don't have the, the guy's Twitter handle, which is terrible, but Zeke has ran the most routes out of any running back with 115 routes ran through three games so far, which is number one in the NFL for running backs. Damn. This is a guy that is not coming off the field and is running routes like a wide receiver. Plug and play him in your lineups. You don't have to think about it. It's just an auto lock. Like this is the definition of a lock. Okay. Ezekiel Elliott equals lock in NFL week four. I mean, I I love what you're saying. And I think an underrated point about Zeke right now is that despite having four touchdowns through three games on the year, you could make a case that he's running bad in terms of touchdown various, right? You know, the Cowboys in week two allowed Dak to get three rushing touchdowns. Even last week, he only had one score in a game that they were putting up points and, you know, to to build on the point that you've you said about his route running, I mean, 19 targets over the past two games, he's on pace to set career numbers as a receiver. And yeah, I just I, I love Zeke this week as well. How does he compare to Alvin Kamara for you? Because I think that those two are kind of in a tier of their own as the clear cut best pay up options on the slate. And I'm really excited about Kamara this week. Yeah, I mean, Kamara is in the nut matchup for running backs going up against the Detroit Lions. I mean, there is some 
concerned if you believe in like the Saints road splits under Drew Brees and the Lions actually did play kind of well against Kyler Murray last week. Uh, so there might be some concern there, but I'm not concerned about Alvin Kamara. He is getting insane usage in the passing game as well. Eight targets minimum through the first three weeks. He scored six touchdowns total. And I mean, I think he matched what he scored in terms of touchdowns uh, this season already compared to last season. So Alvin Kamara is a great play. I mean, he's not going to get over what, like 15 rushing attempts in in a given game, but his receiving role is there. And with Drew Brees' withered arm, I like... That's a whole nother conversation. You were right about the fade on Drew Brees in best ball mm. and season long. Drew Brees can't throw the ball more than like 15, 20 yards downfield. So it's going to be the Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas show if he's back this week. And Alvin Kamara is one of my favorite plays on the slate. Yeah, you know, speaking of my best ball fades, I mean, Drew Brees, DJ Moore, Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> I might be really sharp. I'm not going to lie, but uh, we'll talk about at least one of those players coming up here. You know, back to Kamara, you talked about Zeke being someone who was, you know, maybe a 9K player at a 7.8 price tag. I think Kamara could be a 10K player if his role sustains the way it is now. I mean, obviously, there's some concern with Michael Thomas coming back that those targets get spread out. But I mean, averaging 10 targets per game coming off a 13 catch performance, drawing an incredible matchup against the Lions this week. I mean, Kamara is just flat out underpriced, in my opinion, at 8K. And it looks like Thomas is set to return. Right, he practiced again on Wednesday, but even still, uh, the price is fair for Kamara at 8K, in my opinion. And and I don't know yet in terms of the build if we're going to be running Zeke and Kamara both in cash or just one of them. But I think that it's definitely extremely viable to go that route. Yeah, and I think from a process standpoint, playing Alvin Kamara and, and Zeke in your cash game lineups is probably the right thing to do this week. I mean, you're securing 20 plus touches from each of those guys. Uh, you're securing receiving upside from them on DraftKings, a full PPR site. And there are on two great offenses with two great team totals and with both great matchups. So you can't go wrong with plugging both of them in you, into your lineup. Let's talk Talk about some projected chalk that I feel very terrible about plugging into my lineup, uh, and that's Joe Mixon. Uh, you want to talk about Joe Mixon, a man that you've you know gone uh. back and forth on. You know, you started on the hate train, then it seemed like we were you know building some of that love back up this this season. And I just I want to check in on where you stand with Joe Mixon, who is projected to be relatively owned this week. Yeah, so Joe Mixon is projected to be probably a top three running back in terms of ownership this week, along with Kamara and Zeke. And at 5,800 at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars with a 26 team total. I mean, it sets up well for a bounce back spot for Joe Mixon. The only thing is playing Joe Mixon is just the worst feeling in the world. I mean, I've played him three weeks straight in our redraft league all-star and I hate myself for doing it. I hate myself for drafting him in the middle of the second round when he fell to me. Joe Mixon is a player that I've never been high on. I've never drafted. I mean, he's just in a terrible situation with the Bengals, uh, terrible offensive line, terrible coaching that takes him off the field for Giovanni Bernard in like crucial situations. But it is encouraging that he is running routes. Uh, he's top 10 in terms of running back routes run so far this season. Uh, so I think the opportunity is there. He's getting 20 plus touches. Uh, so that is definitely encouraging, especially with him being under 6K. And 
I can't say right now if I feel comfortable plugging him into my cash lineup, but maybe maybe he deserves a, a spot in the cash lineup this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, I feel like there are minimum, you know, four running backs within four hundred dollars of him that are better plays. Cream mm. Hunt, sixty two hundred, Kenyon Drake, six K flat, Daryl Henderson, five point eight, Mike Davis, five point seven. If Joe Mixon is highly owned, that's an easy, easy fade for me. Uh, there are just so many different directions you can pivot with equal or better, you know, upside uh, for sure this week. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's it's tough, man, because everything is setting up so well for Mixon to have a, a great game this week, and it's just a struggle playing him in your lineups. Like it just gives you this uneasy feeling in your stomach, and and I I don't want that feeling, Ben. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that it'll be easy for you to eventually get off that. Especially, I mean, do you think that Henderson is going to be chalky this week, or is that sneaky? I mean, I don't really know yet. If I had to guess, I don't think he will be in the top four or five running backs in terms of ownership, but I think he'll be over 10% owned for sure. He's a home favored running back with a 30 team total going up against the New York Giants, who just got obliterated by Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson Jr. on the ground last week against the Niners, and Daryl Henderson has looked good in this two game stretch without cam Akers. uh so if cam Akers is out which it's looking like he is doubtful to play in this matchup daryl henderson is a guy that's gonna see 20 plus touches he is a solid receiving back so so that's obviously encouraging for his uh receiving upside on DraftKings. Uh, seen no less than three targets in the last two games which is you know that's not a lot but if he gets three catches plus his 20 attempts you can't beat it at 5,800, so. I mean, they're favored by basically two touchdowns, favored mm-hmm. by 13 points right now, and the Rams are the run-heaviest team in the NFL right now, and they yep. get more run-heavy the closer to the end zone they get. 18-2 to run-pass ratio inside the 10-yard line. I mean, Daryl Henderson might pop off this week. I was going to say, too, that he is their goal line back over Malcolm Brown now. And this is a guy that can easily score two to three touchdowns this week against the Giants. So, I mean, I think pound for pound, he might be a better play than Joe Mixon at the same price. But a lot of people aren't going to think that this week, I I believe. No, I agree with you on that. So in terms of chalk, I, I personally don't believe there's going to be too much chalk at quarterback this week. There's so many different directions uh, you can go. Does anybody stand out to you that'll be particularly chalky as far as the quarterback position? Just from a chalk perspective, not from my own personal opinion, I think that Russell Wilson will garner a lot of ownership just because he's been the best quarterback in the NFL uh, through three weeks. I mean, he's thrown minimum of four touchdowns in each game, and he has an incredible matchup against the Dolphins this week. So I think Russell Wilson will be you know, one of the highest owned quarterbacks this week at 7,800. I don't think you can go wrong with playing him if you want to get up to him all the way up there at 78, but I think there is merit to at least paying down especially when you could get a $1,200 discount from Wilson to Watson or a $1,400 discount from Wilson to Cam Newton. 
Yeah, that's fair. And we'll talk about how we're constructing our cash lineups in terms of the quarterback position in a minute here. But at wide receiver, who do you think is going to be garnering the most ownership this week? I mean, one of the guys that stands out to me is Mike Evans with Chris Godwin out at 6,400, but I'm not totally sure how popular that'll that'll actually end up being, you know, as we get later and later in the week. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Mike Evans will have much ownership, especially with the Bucks only having a 25 team total and with some more popular options in the mid 5k range especially dj Moore. i think dj Moore is going to be one of if not the highest owned wide receiver on this slate DraftKings has dropped his price down to 5600 he's at home facing the cardinals he's seen a nine target in a 13 target game i mean he had a low target game against the chargers but a bad matchup for the panthers and they were ahead for most of the game so that obviously hurts dj Moore's target up side the Cardinals should elevate the pace in this game and score a lot of points on this young Panthers defense uh, which will force Teddy Bridgewater to throw the ball more and DJ Moore is a standout play at 5600 so I think he is going to be the highest owned wide receiver in week four my only question with the DJ Moore play is why would you pay $200 extra for the Panthers wide receiver two when you can get their wide receiver one for 5400 and Robbie Anderson Mm. (laughs) I mean, uh, Robbie Anderson is a man who, you know, if you look at this year's numbers, you know, higher floor, higher ceiling, you know, averaging almost seven points per game more than DJ Moore. And I think that it's entirely possible that the stigma around Robbie Anderson was, you know, so diminished by his time with Adam Gase that potentially we didn't realize the true alpha that he is. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're higher on Robbie Anderson uh, than most people, but I still think DJ Moore is the clear-cut alpha in that offense. He is the wide receiver one. I mean, what? He's had more targets. Two more. Uh, through, two more is more, right? <laughs> He's he's had more targets through the first three games for the Panthers, and yes, he hasn't had a boom week yet, uh, hasn't scored a touchdown, but I think that changes this week against the Cardinals. And Robbie Anderson is a great play this week, too, so... Uh, I don't mind a Panther stack in tournaments. Yeah, and I was being semi-facetious, although I, I definitely do like Robbie Anderson more than most. That was very true, what Joey said. But yeah, DJ Moore, um, I think he is a, a pretty phenomenal play. I mean, his price at 5,600 really doesn't you know equate to the opportunity and the talent. But with DJ Moore, I think that there's going to be another popular receiver right in that same range, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. Now, I don't know how popular he's going to be, how willing people are going to be to go back to him after he's been one of the guys that I think has burned a lot of people more than anybody else. But I mean, if this isn't the spot to play Odell Beckham Jr., then there might not be one. Yeah, I mean, a great spot for the Cleveland pass catchers going up against this diminished Dallas secondary. And, you know, I think we all project the Cowboys to be leading in this game which means the Browns will have to pick up the tempo and throw the ball more, and they won't have, you know, their 35-40 rushing attempts that they want to have in this matchup. If we see Baker throw 45 times, Odell should have a monster game, but will he? Eh, I don't know, man. He just hasn't looked like the same wide receiver that we saw a couple years ago in in this Browns offense. So I like Odell at 5,800, but... It's going to be hard for me to play him, but I think I will either way. 
averaging 7.3 targets per game, 26% market share of the targets, and over 40% of the team's air yards. We, it's obvious what Cleveland wants to do. They want to run the ball with Chubb and Hunt if they can, but it's hard to imagine players talented as Odell failing in this spot against, you know, what is really a bad and a banged up Dallas secondary. So I think they're going to have to pass more. Dallas's offense is just too good. They're going to get overpowered in terms of the the Cowboys offense against the Browns defense and, and Baker's going to have to respond. So it's kind of now or never with me for Odell Beckham. I'm going to play him this week. And if he busts, I'll probably just X him out of my player pool for the rest of 2020. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Odell is a, is a guy that can beat any cornerback in the NFL one-on-one. Like this is one of the most talented yeah. wide receivers we've seen come out of college in the last, you know, 10, 20 years i've always been uh higher than most on odell i mean if that's even possible but he just hasn't looked capable of reaching his ceiling with the browns which is very discouraging from a dfs perspective it seems like he's lost that flame you know that fire he recently had a quote saying that he's like yeah i might not put up the best numbers this year like odell beckham from three years ago you know who was like making out with the net on the sideline would never say anything like that (laughs) never in his damn life so i know i don't know i mean i think that maybe his confidence is shaken and he needs to get this back and if you can't get your confidence back against the cowboys fourth fifth string cornerbacks then it might be time to call it quits (laughs) yeah man i definitely agree all right and and the last thing i guess is tight end chalk and i don't know if there will be any this week is anybody like really really projected to be highly owned you think in terms of tight end Yeah, so I think one of the chalkier tight ends is going to be Darren Waller at 5,200 at home against Buffalo. I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders have a lot of injuries right now on their offense. Brian Edwards just got ruled out for this matchup. Henry Ruggs most likely won't play. So Derek Carr is going to target Darren Waller probably 25 times in this matchup, and I don't mind paying up uh, for Darren Waller at 5,200. I mean, it's an extremely favorable price tag for a guy of Waller's caliber, but I think there are some pay down options if you want to look to the 4K range, especially with like Evan Ingram or Dalton Schultz, if that's your vibe uh, at 4,300 for him. And then, I mean, we got to mention him again. Mm. Third straight week. Our boy Logan Thomas, my son, he's gotta he's gotta pop off one of these weeks, right? Or am I bugging? I mean, I'm currently working through the numbers to find out exactly <laughs> what a Dwayne Haskins target is worth. Right now, the model is saying it's worth 0.4 of an actual target, so his, his opportunity might not be as good as we once thought, to be honest. But uh, I'll, I'll keep running the numbers on that. Yeah, so definitely inform me on the numbers. And I mean, Logan Thomas is still very cheap. He's seen a minimum of seven targets, which you know probably does equal about two targets for any other <laughs> tight end but 16 team total by far the lowest on the slate going 16. up against the ravens at home they should get eight up by that ravens front seven so it's a bad matchup for logan thomas and i've seen some rumblings on twitter saying that he doesn't look as fast or as athletic as people made him out to be from you know the people on team watch the tape so you know, it's it's out on the jury for me for Logan Thomas this week. Uh, I mean, knowing my donkey ass, I'll probably still plug him into my lineup and, and lose all my money again. So, Well, he opens up a lot 
in terms of lineup construction and we'll move right into that now in terms of how we're constructing our cash game lineups from you know at, at this point in the week anyways we made mention of it and and i do believe that going camara zeke and then i guess you can take your choice of one of those you know mid 6k guys like henderson or davis or joe mixon if you'd like i mean i personally would consider clyde edwards hilaire to be in that range as well for cash at 6.4k now getting that full-fledged passing game usage that we expected to start the year 7.5 targets over the past two games completely game flow independent and just watching the Chiefs games they they clearly have you know a vested interest in making him look good so it's probably very easy to make somebody look good in the Chiefs offense so I, I like Edwards Hilaire as a cash game consideration for running backs too yeah I like CH he's looked good uh in these first three weeks he looked really good against the Ravens on Monday night so I would definitely have him in my running back pool for cash games this week uh I just don't know if I'll be able to find like that extra 600 or 700 to get up to him from a player like Mixon Henderson or Mike Davis, especially if you run Kamara and Zeke in your uh, two running back spots. That That's fair for sure. And then in terms of quarterback this week, you know, I, I don't really see the need. You know, last week we were talking about how you can't pay down. This week, I think you can pay down. I think that there are several mm-hmm. guys under 6K that I would consider, and, and I definitely don't see the need to get into the 7K range, although a lot of those guys are good and definitely worth considering for tournaments and cash games. I think we get back to what we're best at, and that's paying down at the quarterback position. Yeah, and I mean, a prime pay down quarterback is your boy, mm. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let me let me hear the reasons why we should be playing Ryan Fitzpatrick in week four on DraftKings. <sighs> the reasons all right i'll give you the condensed version because i mean there are so many reasons this could be a three-hour podcast but i'll just give you the cliff notes and and that is you know first of all the defense they're playing you know seattle cannot get pressure i mean they were struggling to get pressure so much that you know their primary source of pressure was jamal adams who is likely out this game so you know i think that fitzpatrick is going to be facing clean pockets seattle's already allowed three QB seven or better finishes. I mean, granted that was to Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott, Cam Newton. Yeah. You could say that they're completely different tiers of quarterbacks than Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's all fine, but debate that all you want. Fitz has the weapons, you know, Devonte Parker, Mike Gesicki, Preston Williams, and he's even shown the ability to produce at this age in this year, 2020. He put up 25 points last week, 27 points against the bills in week two. And I just love some Fitzpatrick, only 5,400. I think that he smashes that as a 3X. And I think we're looking at 4 to 5Xing that salary pretty easily this week. Yeah, I mean, I think Fitzpatrick is definitely the best sub 6K quarterback to go with if you want to go that route in cash games. And for me, I definitely alluded to it, but Watson is the guy for me, I think, at 6,600 this week. Uh, So... 6600 for a quarterback isn't necessarily paying down, but it is paying down from a guy like Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, or Patrick Mahomes at the top. And with Deshaun Watson, you're getting a very capable quarterback. I mean, we've seen him be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, just last season. And Watson does have rushing upside. The Texans have a 29 team total at home going up against a terrible Vikings defense that can't get pressure on the quarterback. They can't defend anybody if their lives depended on it. And the biggest factor, the Texans need a win. They've had three terrible matchups 
but they're still in contention for the division and they just need a win. So this is a spot where we could see Watson, Fuller, Cooks, David Johnson just go out and drop 50 on the Vikings heads. Uh, so I love Deshaun Watson at 6,600. And then I think Cam Newton is also in play at 6,400, but I'd rather pay the 200 extra to get up to Watson this week and uh, probably the best matchup on the board. Yeah, I agree. Cam Newton, I think was initially on my radar a lot more than he is now, but you can't ignore the you know full touchdown difference in the Texans total versus the Patriots total. And, and, you know, I don't know if I can say this might have to edit it out, but I just feel like the Texans offense right now is just they have blue balls and they're waiting to explode on somebody pause and I think it's going to be Minnesota you know they got dealt basically the nut low in terms of a start to the season schedule having to go against KC the Ravens and the Steelers and now they get this cupcake matchup against the Vikings yeah I I, Kirk Cousins is going to be looking real depressed after this matchup with the Texans this week and Watson at 6600 I think is the highest you pay in cash games, but he's a phenomenal option. And I mean, definitely a safer play than Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I guess it's just a matter of salary and seeing, you know, whether or or not we need to save that salary or not at the quarterback position this week. Yeah, for sure. And I guess it definitely goes into the whole fact if you want to jam in Zeke and Kamara, if you do, uh, there is still a way to play Watson in your lineup, but if you're trying to jam in those two guys, I would say you're more likely to go down to a quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick or Baker Mayfield if that's your vibe. But if you're not playing those two guys, then I think Watson is the clear-cut best quarterback for your cash game lineups this week Um, if you don't want to go the route of trying to jam in the running backs. But I will say you can make a very solid lineup with jamming in Zeke Kamara and playing Watson. That, that's my take on it. That, that's fair. Let's talk about wide receiver. And this is a week, I think, where we can tap into some wide receiver value. There's a few guys that I like under 5K and a few guys that I like, uh, you know, in that mid 5K to 6K range. I don't see a real need to get up to the most expensive guys in cash this week to DeAndre Hopkins at 8,500. I mean, you know, took a fat L fading him last week, and I guess I'm going to run that risk again this week. Same goes for Michael Thomas if he returns, even though that $7,600 price tag on Thomas is very good. Yeah, it's definitely going to be hard to fade Michael Thomas if he's back at 7,600. I mean, this was a 9K plus wide receiver uh, last season, and... Going up against the Lions, it's a phenomenal matchup for Michael Thomas. Uh, The injury obviously hurts his stock a little bit and does merit a fade in my opinion, but it is going to be a hard fade nonetheless. So Michael Thomas is a great play if he plays, but he could be at 80%. Uh, which, you know, wouldn't bode well for fantasy. And then throw in the fact that Drew Brees is is terrible. I mean, Brees has given me serious, you know, last year of Peyton Manning's career vibes right now. Like, it it might be over. It, It just might be, you know? Yeah, I mean... We've seen it with like Emmanuel Sanders, who hasn't produced with Michael Thomas out. And Sanders is a guy that is going to run the the middle crossing routes and, and the deeper like corner routes. Uh, that's Emmanuel Sanders' bag. And Drew Brees just can't get him the ball. It's just terrible to see. And Drew Brees can't throw the ball more than 15 yards right now. Which bodes well for Kamara and his 10 targets per game. Yep. Uh, Kamara should eat. And, and Michael Thomas should eat if... 
he plays as he just runs slants all day every day that's that's his bag so I like Michael Thomas a lot but I think there is some very viable cheap wide receivers this week before we get to the cheap guys let's just real quick run through this range of guys from 5900 down to 5600 I mean I think you could make solid arguments for most of those guys Will Fuller at 5900 Odell Beckham at 5800 uh, Julian Edelman to me is interesting at 5,700 and then your boy DJ Moore at 5,600. Obviously Moore is your favorite as we talked about in the chalk segment. Is Odell the other guy you'd be looking to in cashier or would you be considering Will Fuller, Julian Edelman, any, any of those guys? For me personally, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I'd rather play Will Fuller over Odell in cash if mm. I just had to pick a 1v1. I mean, it basically is a pick them as they're only $100 off in prices. So I'd rather play Will Fuller at 5900 I think he has more upside in a better matchup and pairs well with Watson this week. But I mean, you can honestly run a trio of more Fuller and Odell and have 10 target upside from each of these guys. And they all have big playability and big rack ability, uh, which obviously helps their uh, fan outlook for week four which I wouldn't mind doing that at all honestly running those three wide receivers but Will Fuller over Odell for me and then I think after Odell there's a clear cut tear drop off uh, in terms of like Julian Edelman Devontae Parker, uh, Terry McLaurin, etc. in in that range. The problem with Fuller for me in cash this week is not that he's not a great play in a great spot, but I don't know if I can stomach having a wide (laughs) receiver in my cash lineup go down to injury again for the third straight week. Paris Campbell two weeks ago, Deontay Johnson last week, and just it it seems like I'd be basically asking for it if if I plugged Will Fuller into my cash lineup. That is enough reason for me to put uh, DJ Moore and Odell Beckham ahead of him in terms of cash game wide receivers. And there's one more reason that I'm not crazy about Fuller, and that's that you can get another viable Texans wide receiver for a nice juicy discount of $1,400 going all the way to Brandon Cooks at $4,500, pure value in my opinion. How do you feel about uh, the pivot to Cooks in in terms of a cash game move this week? Yeah, I think Brandon Cooks is the clear-cut best pay-down wide receiver on the slate. Um, This is a guy who... He does have upside. Uh, it, it might not be as high as upside in recent years, but I mean, we've seen him have eight targets. He's had a minimum of five targets. Uh, he is the big play threat along Will Fuller inside the Texans offense. And this is just a great spot for the Texans wide receivers and Brandon Cooks at 4500 I mean, that is just a phenomenal price tag, and it is a great salary saver if you want to pay down to him at your wide receiver three. It allows a lot of flexibility in your cash game lineups for this week, so I think Brandon Cooks is a top-tier play. Yeah, he's got a solid floor of about five targets, and I think that 4500 is just too cheap. You know, I think that mm-hmm. that price tag gets you away from the concerns you have about him because it doesn't matter so much if he busts at that spot, but his ceiling is just so high. We haven't really seen it this year, but you know, we know what Brandon Cook's ceiling is. It's it's immensely high. So I think that, you know, like I said, this Texans offense is ready to pop off. And I think Brandon Cooks could have his first big game of 2020 as well. I've got one more wide receiver that I need to mention, although hmm. there 
there's a wide range of interesting guys. I mean, T Higgins, I think he led the Bengals in snaps last week, right? And he he popped off with, you know, five for 40 and two touchdowns on nine targets. I think that's interesting. I think Preston Williams is really interesting in GPPs, you know, to pair with uh pair with Fitzmagic. But the guy that I'm considering for cash games right now, and, and this isn't a name that I think uh, you're going to be too fond of, and, th- and that's Hunter Renfro. And let me tell you why before you tell me that I'm nuts. Here, Here's why. Henry Ruggs, Long shot to play. Brian Edwards ruled out Tyrell Williams on IR. The Bills have one of the most elite athletic linebacker cores in the league and should largely be able to handle Darren Waller, who's going to get more targets funneled to him because of these injuries. Even though Waller is the best bet to lead Las Vegas in targets, I think that Renfro has a good chance to be the best producer in this week. You know, I said it last week that we needed to monitor how Cooper Cup performed in the slot figure out if this slot receivers against Bills thing is a real trend, and I think that it is. I mean, Cup had his first 100-yard game of the season, 9 for 107 and 1, right on the Bills' heads. So I am attacking slot-wide receivers against Buffalo. uh, Renfro should see an increased share of targets. He's only 4,600. It's all lining up for him. I mean, you make a very compelling argument, but, you know, I'm going to just say, like, this take that I'm going to say has nothing to do with like stats or anything. I just don't think Renfro's a good player. Mm. Um, I mean, he did have a good game last week, and I think that is a ceiling game out of Hunter Renfro, 20 points. And I know you told me before the show that it should have been 28. There's no such thing as should have. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. He scored 20 points. I think that's his ceiling in any given week. And, you know, slot receivers against Buffalo may be a thing, but this is still a Raiders offense led by Derek Carr, a quarterback that does not take opportunities down the field. He doesn't take shots against opposing defenses. That, so that's I just all positives, don't... right? Renfro's not running deep yeah, routes anyways. But I don't know if he has enough upside due to, the, due to that fact mm-hmm. of car not having any upside either and it still is a tough matchup from a defensive versus offensive perspective uh bill's defense one of the best in the nfl so i mean if you want to i would say okay okay like yeah play hunter renfro i'd rather just save the extra 100 and play brandon cooks and then the cheap wide receiver that i want to mention Nikhil harry at four thousand. I think is in play for cash if you want to go there. Patriots should be in a negative game script going into Kansas City. Now, the Patriots only have a 22-point team total, and going into Kansas City is a historical tough draw for opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers, which is part of the reason why I'm not on Cam Newton anymore. But in a negative game script, I think Cam Newton is going to have to throw the ball, you know, 35, 40, 45 times. And it is a very condensed target share in New England, basically to Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, and James White is back this week. And we saw Nikhil Harry have 12 targets against the Seahawks in a similar game flow. So I think at 4K, you can't go wrong with playing Nikhil Harry. You're going to get targets and he does have some touchdown upside with being a big body wide receiver. Harry to me is more of a player that I would consider for GPPs. I think that you can get up to Renfro, Higgins, Cooks in that range pretty easily, but uh, I I do see the merit in Harry as as an individual play outside of the range of those guys. Uh, In terms of tight ends this week, uh, we mentioned Logan Thomas briefly. He seems like he's the clear-cut best punt option. I mean, you're certainly not going to find any tight ends with target shares like his in that price range right around 3,500. 
Um, you know, Drew Sample, he was another guy that I was on last week that busted hard. Should, again, be in a good spot with this Cincinnati team, but it's just so hard to trust these guys. I think that this week we don't just pure punt tight end. I think that we have enough salary because of these cheap wide receivers that we can get up to the sort of tier right above them. And these guys from, say, 4,300 to 4,800, Dalton Schultz, 43, Evan Ingram, 44, Hunter Henry, 46 and TJ Hawkinson 4,800 are all pretty interesting to me. Uh, still sorting through them, but I think that this is a tier that we're going to want to look to in terms of cash games this week. Yeah, definitely some good uh, plays in this tier of tight ends and a lot of very favorable price tags. Um, you could throw a wrinkle at every single one of these guys. I mean, TJ Hawkinson uh, just really hasn't been performing. I mean, he's been running routes, but Seven targets last game is encouraging, but nine points and ten points in the previous two games, uh, especially with Kenny Galladay coming back. So there, there's some merit to not playing TJ Hawkinson. Hunter Henry is, is a solid play, but the Chargers offense led by Justin Herbert is bound to not be that good, I would think. Evan Ingram is in one of the worst offenses in, in the NFL, and Dalton Schultz is like the sixth option on Dallas. So, I mean, all these guys have some downside, but I think you're going to want to find, you know, the player that you like the most in this tier, uh, especially if you can't stomach playing Logan Thomas. And, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a sick donkey. And I, I might just come out and say it like Logan Thomas at 3,500. I might do it then. You got to talk me off the ledge. We're late into the podcast, but he's but he's just been staring at me. And I don't know. I want to I want to take the next step and play him for the for a month straight. OK, somebody has to talk me off the the top of the building. I'm at I'm at I'm at the Empire State Building tippy top right now, ready to jump off. And somebody has to has to uh, save me here. Just close your eyes. Take a deep breath and then think about Dwayne Haskins throwing motion and that (laughs) and then that should help you. (laughs) <laughs> I I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to say. He's playing 85% of snaps. He's running routes. He's getting red zone looks in the red zone and he's averaging, you know, over seven targets per game. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I just don't. He's 3,500. He profiles as a phenomenal play, but I just don't know if I can stomach it. But, you know, if you want to do that, I, I wouldn't say it's a bad play necessarily. <sighs> Goodness. They're tempting me, DraftKings. Tempting me every single week. What do you think about OJ Howard as a potential pivot at 3300 and you know that that's some real pay down territory at that price tag and the Bucks may be without both Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller this week which would you know consolidate some middle of the field targets to somebody I mean it's not going to be Gronk it might as well be OJ Howard right Yeah I actually like OJ Howard a lot this week at home against the Chargers so it's not the best matchup on the board for him but he's seen decent targets for his role. Four targets last week, three targets the week before, six targets in week one. So this is a guy with 13 targets over the last uh, three weeks. And, you know, it's not the best play, but, you know, paying down to a tight end at 3,300, if you're content with getting five targets, which, you know, I might be out of a 3,300 guy, I think he's definitely in play for for cash games this week. Yeah, I mean, he's a solid punt as long as you're willing to embrace, you know, three points as a possibility in your lineup, which sometimes, I mean, a tight end, I don't know. Sometimes you can do that. (laughs) 
Last week, tight end, tight end was terrible. It was. And the week before that, everybody scored 20. So I guess you really have no idea what's going to happen <laughs> at the tight end position. Is there anything else you want to uh, mention in cash games before we transition over to some tournament strategy? Mm, I mean, I think we covered most of it. I think if the listeners have been listening uh, this far in, they know where we're going in, in cash games this week. Yeah, and if you have any questions, you know, just send us a send us a tweet at the DFS Dose, and uh, let's get into some tournament strategy, leverage stacks, long shots. What's your vibe this week? Where, where are you looking in tournaments? Yeah, so I think there are a lot of viable stacks for tournaments this week. I mean, like we detailed earlier in the episode, uh, a lot of these stacks aren't going to be chalk, so a lot of different possibilities. But I think just a natural leverage play and, you know, your boy, Robbie Anderson, if DJ Moore is going to be the highest owned wide receiver on the slate, that creates natural leverage with Robbie Anderson, which will make him one of the best tournament plays on the board at 5,400. So I'm starting, you know, to come along on on the Robbie Anderson train for tournaments this week. I've got a stack I want to toss out to you, and I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but... You know, we all just saw the Ravens get thrashed in prime time. You know, so let's jump on the Lamar Jackson bandwagon in a week that his ownership is going to be extremely depressed because he's 8,100 and there's like seven better options in terms of like points per dollar. But we go back to Lamar Jackson and we pair him with his man, Hollywood Brown. I mean, Hollywood Brown has cost me over $1,000 in the last two weeks. You know, maybe like closer to 2K if I'm being honest in terms of like you know, I needed one point for him in week two to jump like three spots at the top of a GPP. I needed him last week as well. And he was like five points off. It's just terrible. But I think you can go back to him this week. And at wide receiver at such an awkward price tag for Marquise Brown at 6,300, like nobody's going to play him. And I think that you could get into some interesting stacks with a Ravens to Hollywood Brown stack. I mean, he is still leading the team in targets. He has a top 10% of uh, air yards percentage on his own team across the entire NFL. And you could bring it back with either Terry McLaurin or Logan Thomas as the bring back. Yeah. I mean, I got burned by Hollywood and Lamar against the Chiefs, So that, that was terrible to watch. But I mean, this is a great spot for them going up against a terrible Washington secondary and a front seven that just lost probably their best player in Chase Young to a groin injury. And I mean, it is Lamar Jackson and we've seen him have immense upside. Uh, just last season, he had a 300 yard passing and a 100 yard rushing game. So that's always in play for Lamar every single week and clear cut bounce back spot. So I don't mind a Raven stack, but you know, playing Lamar and Hollywood is one of the more expensive stacks on this slate. So yeah, there's I'll no value that in there. Mind. You're definitely paying up to be contrarian, hundred percent. But I think that it's it's an option on this slate with a decent amount of value that you can find. Uh, what else you got for this tournament section? Yeah, so I mean, just the game that I'm going to target, and I talked about in my video, it's just that Texans Vikings game. I, I think that game is jumping off the page to me, and Dalvin Cook at 7600 is a guy that I'm going to focus on getting into my tournament lineups. Uh, the Texans are one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. They're bottom three right now in terms of rushing yards allowed to opposing running backs. And the Vikings want to feature Delvin Cook. We saw it last week against the Titans. Uh, he had 24 touches, 22 attempts on the ground for 181 yards. So if we get that kind of production out of Delvin Cook, which he is certainly capable of, 
Uh, I think he is one of the best plays on the slate, and I think it is a good bring back option in a Watson to a fuller stack if you think the Vikings can control the game. And then I also don't mind Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson just as, you know, a bring back to the Watson and Fuller stack as well. So I think that game for me in tournaments is the game I'm going to be targeting the most. I'm kind of just in love with all the players in that game. Okay, okay. I'll talk about a long shot here. Maybe it's a long shot. I'm not sure, but I think that the price range he's in right now is going to keep a lot of people off of him. And that's Stefan Diggs, who has just had an an insane, you know, impact on this Bills team. I think that it's understated. You know, last week, you know, you look at the box score, four receptions for 49 yards. Well, that doesn't tell you the part where, you know, in the first quarter, he had two plays back to back touchdowns called back on penalty. I mean, Diggs is providing Josh Allen with a lot of a legitimate number one wide receiver that he's never had before. Um, and I think that you can get this stack off at relatively low ownership. Like we've said so many times, there's going to be a lot of popular stacks and I don't know how popular Josh Allen to Steph Diggs will be. I think that that's a super high upside stack that we have to get exposure to and, you know, bring it back with my boy Renfro Waller, if you'd like to, but Renfro is definitely the leverage off of Waller, who's projected to be pretty highly owned. And yeah, that's, that's a stack that I'm a big fan of this week, especially with John Brown looking unlikely to play. I think that uh, Diggs could have, you know, an even bigger target share than he, than he already does. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with playing Josh Allen in DFS. He's been the second best fantasy player uh, in 2020 so far. And Stefan Diggs, has helped him improve as a quarterback. So I don't think you can go wrong with playing them in tournaments ever, even with their price tags included. And just a tournament long shot that I have, uh, might not really consider him a long shot, but a very low projected own player in tournaments that I like, which gives you leverage off of some of the higher owned guys in this game. And that's Kareem Hunt. I know we, uh, touched on him earlier. That. But projected 2% owned and Cream Hunt is going to get touches in neutral game scripts and he's going to be the running back that the Browns have on the field in negative game scripts and great receiving back. If Nick Chubb ever went down, Cream Hunt might be the running back one overall. Cream Hunt is 6,200. Nobody's going to play him just due to the guys that are above and below him. And I think he is a phenomenal tournament play this week. So that's my long shot. Uh, you can, you can, uh, bandwagon onto it if you want. I, I accept it. Yeah, definitely scooch over, make some room. I'm getting on the back of that bandwagon 100%. <laughs> and, and I think that he is like one of the best ways that you can differentiate Cowboys Brown stacks, which if Joey's favorite game this week is Minnesota Houston, that's going to be my favorite game this week. I want to get exposure to Baker. And I think that you could definitely run Baker, Odell, Kareem Hunt you know and then bring backs with you know any cowboys player that you know tickles your fancy but that's definitely <laughs> going to be a move and i think kareem hunt is a great way to differentiate that uh, some stacks that might be chalkier so definitely all aboard that um you want to get out of here uh with some best bets yeah so had a bad day in the bet department last week but it's time to turn it around for week four and my favorite bet on the board i mean you can't go wrong with it seattle minus six and a half going into miami oh this is a spot where seattle shouldn't have trouble with the dolphins defense especially if byron jones is out again 
Uh, Dolphins don't have a pass rush either. So give me the six and a half points with the Seahawks. I'll eat that. And I think they beat the Dolphins by more than two scores in, in this game. So that is my one bet that I will give the listeners. So Seahawks minus six and a half. Okay. That's good. And, you know, yeah, we both had 100% success rates coming into last week. The magic couldn't last. Uh, now we're both sitting around 70. Joey's got, you know, still 75%. So it's admirable. And, and that'll raise this week if Seattle smashes, which I like that one as well. I'm going to throw two out there. And I think that they're both pretty great lines, honestly. And that the first one's going to be Houston minus four and a half. I mean, I just, I just don't see it with the Vikings. And I doubted the Vikings last week. And that, that, caused me to lose one of my bets with their offense being able to put up more points than I thought they did or than than I thought they would against Tennessee. It's again a situation where they might be able to click Houston's defense. Not impressive, but I don't know. I I really do think that Houston's going to be coming in with blood in their eyes and just absolutely demolish this Vikings team. You know, I don't see the the Texans starting off the season 0-4. I absolutely see the Vikings starting off the season 0-4. So Texans are an easy win. It's just a matter of if they can do it, you know, by four and a half. And I absolutely think they can. And the last one real quick, uh, Buffalo Bills minus three. I, I just simply don't get this line. I don't, I think the Bills should be favored by, you know, closer to like seven than, than three against this Raiders team, even on the road. Yeah. And I think the line is so low because they are on the road. Uh, so I, I, I still think that line is wrong and I do like both of your bets. So three solid bets for the listeners to put their hard earned money on. And, you know, we're going 3-0 and this week. I'm calling it right now. I like that energy. Easy money. And, you know, we're going to sail to the money this week in DFS and in sports betting. Absolutely. And like Joey said at the top of the show, you can support the podcast by subscribing to us on a multitude of platforms. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, wherever you get podcasts, we are there. Joey's uh, GPP breakdown came out on YouTube yesterday. You can check that out on the YouTube channel right now. My cash video will be coming out on Friday as well as its uh, article that accompanies it on the DFSDose.com. Make sure you check that out as well. And then as always, you can follow our Twitters. The DFS Dose is at the DFS Dose as well as our personals. I'm at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. We will be back on Monday to recap the week four action, hoping for a much more joyous attitude. We're <laughs> going to be happy after smashing the slate and definitely not looking forward to having another pain cast. So uh, let, let's keep it rocking this week.